Okay, hey, you have all night tossing, turning, mind racing, trouble getting to sleep, trouble staying asleep, welcome. This is Sleep With Me, the podcast that's here to put you to sleep. We do with a bedtime story. All you need to do is get in bed, turn out the lights and press play. I'm going to do the rest. What I'm going to do is create a safe place where you can set aside whatever's been keeping you awake, whether it's uh, thinking stuff, uh, feeling, uh, physical sensations, you see, you know, changes in the temperature, uh, travel, you know, anything, stuff going on, life stuff, you know, stuff, you know, still like that cat used to say. I think, like, I think there's more than, like, what is, what is it? Because I was just watching uh, season two of Mr. Robot, and at one point they had the uh, the hanging cat. Um, but what is the, 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 which one did they say? Just hanging around, or how about a hand? I can't remember. Uh, but there is a cat. I think there's one that says stuff happens uh, in a little bit harsher terms than that, but... Uh, uh, what was I going to say? I get totally, I guess stuff happens in my brain. Uh, sleep with me, the podcast, which is what we do with the bedtime stories. You know, we do with the bed, so you get bed I'm going to do the rest. What I'm going to do is create a safe place where you can, sorry about that. Re, re, I just rewound. Uh, that was a human rewind. Uh, that could be my nickname. If I go back to the 80s and I start, if I go on a sitcom, I'll be the human rewind. Anyway, I'm going to create a safe place. I'm going to send my voice across the deep, dark night. I'm going to use creaky, dulcet tones, whatever, whatever's going on here. I think, I don't know, the, the, the closet, the climbing closet, the crawling closet that I record the podcast in is a little bit cold tonight. Uh, not uncomfortably cold. You know when someone says they ca- caught a chill? Like, because uh, I, I just got home, and then I uh, let go out and co- ran around a little bit, chatted, uh, discussed some things about her bedding. This is my dog. And then I said, okay, you can lie in the bed right outside the closet, but you can't lick yourself. I said, no bathing in, in, in Sophia's bed, please. And Koa didn't make any promises. Smart dog. Dogs don't make promises. Holy cow, what was I talking about? So I'm going to create a safe place where you can set aside brain distractions. Oh, it's a little cold in here. That's what I was saying. It's just a little chilly, but in a kind of good way. I think this. if I was sleeping in this closet, uh, you know, I did think about sleeping in this closet. Maybe so you want to learn some things about scoots. I think this closet is about the width of a twin bed. And for a short time, I considered, I said, well, geez, could I sleep in that closet? Uh, it'd be like a little bit like a little fort. And actually, I wouldn't mind it. I mean, it's not quite enough room for me. Um, and, you know, anyway, no, no, no more, no TMI. But uh, it's it's definitely, it would be a tight fit. It would be interesting. Now I'm thinking about selling it. Say, well, what happened to the podcast? Scoot started sleeping in his studio and then... Uh, Got wrapped up in all his equipment, and then, you know, that was it for the podcast. Podcast that put him to sleep, he sleeps there. I don't know, we're on the verge of a pun now, but I guess it's not a pun. Like, the sleep with me. The podcast that puts you to sleep uh, in the spot I now sleep in. I mean, they could, I could be on to something. I guess I would be like a guru. 
Like, didn't the Beatles, they went to, like, back in the day, all the birds, the Beatles, the wing, wings, I think, was the Beatles. Um, Cream, I think Cream was the birds. Uh, uh, you know, all those bands, they were good, the, the um, Beach Boys. Weren't they all going to see gurus? Yeah, if I became a guru, if I start a guru-based podcast, I will be in a bed. I mean, I won't sit. I won't tell you it's a bed. It'll be a cushion, of course. And when it's when you're a guru, you don't have bedding. You cushions. You don't have pillows. You you cushions. Yeah, this is scoots. Uh, this, what would we call it? It wouldn't be sleep with me. It'd be, it could be sleep with us. Sleep with one. I don't know. We'll think of a title, but this is Scoots, your your sleep generator here, broadcasting from the cloud closet on my cushions in the cloud closet here. I don't know if I can. I can't even do a few minutes of it, but one day I'll be a guru. You know, when when we get to, when we we say, well, yeah, you became, you started believing I don't know what happened. We we wanted we wanted to say he started believing in too much, but it was really he just started sleeping in the same place he recorded the podcast. So all his boundaries fell down, and once you lose those boundaries, you know, then your, your podcast becomes all. It goes from consuming, nearly all consuming, to totally. You know, he became consumed with the podcast. He was record and also, you know, he lost a lot of the audience when he started recording in his sleep. Uh, and just releasing those as episodes, because uh, it was just, it was too, you know, anyway, holy cow, this is a podcast intro. Uh, if you're new here, uh, welcome. Usually I try to make a metaphor about what the podcast, so the, let me do the setup for you, because actually to welcome, you you picked a, a great time, you picked an interesting time. You you picked a decent time to to join us because we actually have the new. I'm not even sure the exact segment structure, but what what we usually do is we have like our open part of the show, you know, where we cover all the business and promote anything. Then we have an intro. The intro is usually eight to twelve minutes of me rambling. A lot of people fall asleep during the intro. You know, we welcome all our friends beyond the binary. All the binaries, everybody's welcome here. And then I try to explain the podcast, and I try to make a metaphor, explain the techniques. And I think ch- chilled brain would be – that's what it is tonight, and that is something that works with the podcast. Chilled brain. Sleep with me. The chilled brain podcast. Maybe I should have called it that. The chilled brain podcast. Uh, the podcast that puts your brain to chill. I mean, we could do that one. I won't do, like, market and I iTunes. That'll be straight brain I don't know if I don't know brains don't shop at this point, but that'll be a future market when brains do their own shopping. They'll be like, well, what's the difference between Sleep With Me and the Chilled Brain podcast? This scooter just does a different voice. He just reads his old transcripts. Yes, hello, welcome to the Chilled Brain podcast. Uh, he, he, he split into three different people, and he was already, so that made four because he was Scooter, he was Drew. Then he became the... Uh, uh, Thaddeus Thinnenberg, the uh, the host of the Chilled Brain podcast, and then you know something else. I don't know what my guru name would be, uh, but so if you're new here, welcome. This is a podcast to take your mind, so you don't got to take it very seriously uh, tonight. So I'll finish up this intro. I'll try to explain the podcast tonight. Will be t- this will be like a pilot. So you know if you're 
you know, give me some leeway. Ideally, just fall asleep whenever you want because you're not going to miss anything. If you can't sleep, I'll be here giving it my all. Uh, but you'll be under no pressure to fall asleep. Tonight I'll be talking about Star Trek Next, the Star Trek The Next Generation. And, you know, I'll, I'm sure I'll be apologizing a lot. But let me just, you know, this will be the first time I'm talking about it on a podcast or, you know, other than general general conversation. So I don't know what's going to happen. And I can guarantee you it'll, be, it'll have meanders. It'll be lulling, soothing tones, pointless meanders. Creaky dulcet tones, pregnant pauses, mispronunciations, you know, to talk about uniforms, I'll be doing that a lot. But so I think what we'll do tonight, you know, finish up this intro, we'll do a run-through of the episode, at least one run-through, maybe two, maybe like a non-dialogue a and a non-dialogue, a non-dialogue and then a dialogue run-through of the episode. Then maybe we'll talk, try, try to learn some stuff, and that'll be it. So if you're new here, this you don't got to take this podcast seriously. You know you don't you don't even have to like me. You, you know you 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 like it, and ideally you, you you like you could give it a few tries. You might grow to like me. I mean, a lot of people they they say I'm they consider me their boyfriend because that's why I'm doing it. I've been there, sleepless, tossing and turning, unable to get to sleep, staring at so so I can relate to to, to what you're going through. And then you go to and they say, why do you look so terrible? You say, I can't sleep. And they say, well, geez, why, do you, you know, why can't you sleep? I said, why are you asking me so many questions? Because that's why, okay, you leave me alone. They say, well, why are you so grouchy? Because you can't sleep. Well, maybe if you were less of a grouch, you know, that whole thing. Uh, but so if you're new here, just give the show a few tries. Uh, I may grow on you. There's no pressure, though. You're not, like, I'm not in a hurry to, like, I'm in a hurry to win your trust. Like, so I hope you trust me if you're skeptical. You know, trust me, and then part of that trust will be like, well, geez, I tried the podcast a few times. It doesn't work for me. Or, you know, I put on the podcast for my pets. I don't listen to it myself. My cats and dogs do. And, they, you know, they, it gets all their, you know, they do all their hissing when you're podcasting. And say, so it's great here at the, uh, you know, wherever you're playing that. That'd be great. Uh, Cesar Milan, send me a check if you're doing that. Uh, but I guess I, I guess my message is uh, that I make this podcast. It's a little bit different. I'm always learning, or you know, to, to taking two steps back to take one step forward. But usually, I'm taking my steps to the side. Let's say, let's go down this little path here and see what this is. So this is our new new show, our new episode uh, about Star Trek. Doesn't even have a the, the Star Trek: The Next Generation. I don't have a witty even title yet, so this is like a pilot. Uh, it's not about the Star Trek Next Generation pilot. There's a spoiler, but um, I'm glad you're here. I appreciate your time. I really hope and I really yearn to help you fall asleep, so thanks for stopping by. Okay, hey, everybody, this is, so th- th- this is me in the past and the future, I guess, because I decided to kind of mix up the... You know, since this is a pilot episode, I'm trying to figure out, but, but I wanted to kind of focus on the main reason I chose this episode. And so this, I guess, will be the first sequence is this one scene that happens at about 20, let me see my 10 notes here, 25 minutes into the episode. Because uh, not only did I, I just think it, it, it is such a, it's just a great scene. And, and, and at this point, I had watched maybe... 
I don't know, but when I saw this episode, 20, 30 episodes of The Next Generation. And I don't know, there's just something about this scene that kind of relates to I guess, well, there's a bedtime story. So, I mean, that's the main reason. Spoiler alert. Uh, but I think just Picard's acting and Paul Winfield and just their interaction. And it's just like, a, I don't know. So I just want to cover this scene first. Uh, which takes place at a campfire at 25 minutes about into the episode. And our two friends are there, uh, Jean-Luc Picard, captain of the Starship Enterprise, and the other character, uh, what I'm seeing here is Dathan. I don't know. I don't have a confirmation on that, though. Uh, This is just where I could do uh, But they're sitting around the campfire, and uh, Paul Winfield's character is not feeling well. And let me just read through my notes, and I'll read through some of the dialogue. Uh, first, uh, he has a giant uh, thumb. Is that a 20? Is this when they're in bed? Let me just double-check. No, this is too early. So it looks like it's uh, 30 minutes in, in about 30 minutes and 50 seconds. My phone's not booting up the video for some reason. Uh, but, you know, it's a, like a, a little bit of a fireside chat scene. Picard is very fatherly. He uses, we'll go into the dialogue, but he's very thoughtful and interested. And he says, tell me more. Then he says, give me more about Darmok. And then he draws a rock. It's just like this quest for understanding, which I think is reflective of one of the things this series is about and one of the things the podcast is about. These two are becoming friends beyond the binary, really. And it'll be a short friendship beyond the binary, but uh, I don't know. So, so uh, let's see. So it kind of starts out. Let's see. I'll kind of quote and paraphrase. Uh, but the guy's lying down. Paul Winfield says, Darmok and Chilada Tanagra. And Picard's starting to understand the speech. He goes, oh, yeah, we're in the same spot. They were in a tough spot. We're in a tough spot. I get that. But he goes, they need more. You must tell me more about Darmok and Jalad." Use Temba the arms wide. Does that mean give Temba his arms wide? He goes, and then he, but he means about Darmok. He goes, give me more about Darmok. And so he goes, Darmok on the ocean. So, uh, Picard kind of goes, Darmok, uh, the ocean, Darmok on the ocean, a metaphor for being alone, isolated, uh, Darmok on the ocean. And then the guy says something else. Uh, and then he says, Picard says, Temba. Now it's playing too. Temba, my, my arm's open. Give me more about Darmok on the ocean. And then he says, Tanagra on the ocean. Uh, Darmok on Tanagra. And he goes, oh, it's an island. Okay, okay. You tell Temba, his arm's wide. Tell me more. And then he says, Gelada on the ocean. Gelada, Tanagra. So he goes, okay, Gelada, Tanagra. Darmok and Gelada are at Tanagra. And then Dyerson says, uh, one of the dudes from whatever that show, Power Rangers on Tanagra. And he goes, oh, that dude, the Triceratops, the Trice Power Rangers Triceratop on Tanagra. And he goes, okay, so they dealt with it. And the guy says, okay, and then Darmok and Jalad on the ocean. He goes, oh, they left together. And then he goes, yeah, he goes, but I'm not feeling good, uh. But he likes that, uh, the ocean. And then Picard's like, oh, wait a second. You wanted this to happen, huh? You wanted us to be here together. And you knew this was going to happen. 
Uh, you knew from the, this myth, this tale, sometimes uh, these things bring two people together. Uh, Darmok and Gelada Tanagra, you and me here at El Adrell. And he says, Kiribashi Temba, his arms wide. And then Picard means, oh, you want you? Because the guy's like, hey, tell me a story. I want to go to sleep. Tell me a bedtime story, Jean Luc. And Picard's very good. He says, uh, my turn. No, I'm not much of a storyteller. Besides, you wouldn't understand. Shaka, when the walls fell. And he goes, well, per perhaps it doesn't matter. You, you want to hear it anyway. He goes, there's a story, ancient one. Gilgamesh, a king. Uh, Gilgamesh at Uruk. And he was a bad king, kind of a jerk. So they said, send a Kidu to deal with, uh, you know, to give him somebody to uh, deal with. And then, you know, Gilgamesh and Kidu, first they didn't get along, then they became friends at Uruk. And he likes that, he goes, Uruk. And then he goes, yeah, the, and then they went out into the desert and uh, the great bull of heaven was out there messing with people. And, 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 and Kidu caught the bull by the tail and Gilgamesh took it out. And the guy laughs, he goes, oh, that Gilgamesh taking those things out. And he goes, yeah, they they won, but, you know, Enkidu didn't didn't win, kind, kind of like you. And then he quotes, he says, he who was my companion through adventure and hardship is gone forever. And Paul Winfield being a great actor, he, he is, he says, well, it's my time to go out. Then we go back to the bridge. It's just a wonderful fireside scene. Uh, two, two, the two captains or commanders. I don't know, and just, just, just fine acting in in a bedtime moment. I mean, a big sleep it ends up, but uh, it was sleep nonetheless and comforting. Yeah. And then they go back to the bridge, and Worf and Riker and Data and everybody in the forge are trying to, you know, they they said, okay, let's just uh, the Tamarian's not in good shape, so. We got to get Picard out of there. So they figure out how to Picard, they get Picard out uh, before the entity, you know, the, the Triceratops. Oh, they, there's Triceratops from uh, Mighty Morphin Power Rangers on the planet with them. You, you'll hear that in the explanations later. And then, so then Picard lies out, this guy, Paul Winfield, Dayson, I guess. And then he goes, uh, hey, I understand your sacrifice. But he goes, he goes, if he goes, if I don't win, he goes, I don't know what's going to happen to us or my ship. And then they're back on the bridge and everybody's worried about getting Commander off the ship. And they get Picard, they beam, they get the, like they, because, oh, this, this will find out during the episode. But the other ship, I guess it's not important right now. We're concentrating on these, this scene and then this is a bridge. I'm watching this. Gilgamesh, a king, as Picard says. Gilgamesh, a king. Uh, at Uruk, he's using a lot of body language, concrete body language. Really great. I really love this scene so much. And he's like overacting, but in an acting way. I think in the, like, I had already done one recap. I think I was wrong, but I had rewatched this a couple times since then. But then they get Picard back on the ship. Then the enemy ship, you know, the captain ship, they go after the Enterprise. And they're really kicking the, kicking the Enterprise's butt. And then Picard rolls, like, super, like, alpha mode or something. He rolls, they're like, we can't take another hit. And then uh, 
Picard says, hail to Tamarian ship. And they say, aye, Captain. He the Tamarian gets on. He goes, Cinda, his face black, his eyes red. And then Picard's right on. He goes, Tamak, the river Tamak in winter. And the guy goes, what, Darmok? And Picard says, of course, Darmok and Jalad at Tanagra. Darmok and Jalad on the ocean. And the guy's like, what? He goes, Sokov. His eyes open, like this guy can kind of speak our language. And then he says, dudes, there was like a, some triceratops from Mighty... I don't know if you have Mighty Murphy and Power Rangers where you are, but we do. And that was a triceratops down there from that. So that was no good for, for your darm, you know, your guy. So he goes, Unzani, his army, Shaka, when the walls fell. And everyone kind of like uh, looks down, and they say, "They say, I think they say Shaka when they 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 you know they do a little ceremony, and uh, you know they're sad to Shaka when the walls fell." And then the second in command says, "Picard and Dathan at Aldrell, Mirab sails unfurled with sails unfurled." I like that line. And then Picard goes to give the guy's spork back, which he had. He goes, Temba, his arm's open. And they go, no, 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 Temba at rest, you keep it. And then Picard says, thanks, and then everything's back to normal. And then he kind of f finishes out with, like, Riker saying, you think those are new friends? And he goes, I don't know. Picard says to Riker, I don't know, but at least they're not new enemies. And then I cover this on the recap, but, like, uh, Riker goes back and it's captain's quarters and, uh, like, uh, what do you call that at the end? Uh, epilogue or whatever. He says, Jesus, do you mean to walk in on you, Captain? He goes, I got the, the damage reports. He goes, what are you reading, some Greek? And he goes, hey, uh, these uh, Homeric hymns, the root metaphors of our culture. And Riker says, for the next time we encounter the Tamarians, and Picard says, you know, being familiar with your own mythology might be able to help us relate to theirs. He goes, that Tamarian was willing to risk, uh, like, everything, for a connection and communication. He goes, now the door is open. But he goes, he goes, that commitment to communication between cultures meant more to this guy than, you know, his own ego. And he goes, thanks, number one. Hit the road. I got to, you know. And then Picard goes and looks out the window and salutes uh, the guy. A couple more notes on the last scene. Picard, uh, Data was really impressed when Captain Picard is speaking in the other culture's metaphors. You know, Riker says, I have no choice. I need those phasers. And the entity's getting close to Picard as Picard's putting his buddy to bed. And now I'm going to hop back to the beginning of the episode, just run through the rest of it. But that was really like the main thing that stuck out to me. And I don't know if this is how it'll always go, but let's see. So it opens... Uh, Captain's log, stardate 450472, 450-047, I have 5-2. Uh, talking about Alan Drell's system, this enigmatic race uh, known as the Children of Tama. And then they say, geez, we're getting, uh, they say they, they've been here four weeks and they're transmitting a subspace signal to the Federation and Data goes, it's not a message, so it's a standard mathematical pr progression. Riker's like, oh, so they know we, we're here. And uh, 
says, yeah, they want to communicate with us. So there's great st star motion outside the windows. Uh, then someone says a cause for concern. What does that mean? C c colors of the crew. What do they mean? Let's see. Let me look. Uh, yeah, there's only been seven encounters, and uh, they're called incomprehensible by Captain Silvestri. Are they Picard says, are they truly incomprehensible? In my experience, com communication is a matter of patience and imagination. I would like to believe these are qualities we have in significant measure. Uh, then they go to the bridge, and they're on screen with the guy, Dathan, and he's talking, and they're like, we can't understand him. And uh, the, the, the Troy, Counselor Troy says, well, I can only sense good intentions. And they say, Data, what do you think they're saying? And he says, proper names of individuals and locations. And Picard says, yeah, but what does it mean? He goes, I don't know, boss. And at this point, Picard's playing straight. He goes, would you want to do a mutual non-aggression pact between our two peoples with a trade agreement and cultural interchange? Does that sound like a reasonable course of action? And that cracks the crew up. And then Dayton says, a river to mock in winter. And Riker says, geez, we're trying to communicate. And then they say a bunch of stuff, sales unfurled, Darmok at Tanagra, that whole thing. And then they transport Picard and their other captain down to the planet, and then they block the planet so they can't be transported off. Particle scattering field in the ionosphere. And Riker tries to figure out a way to deal with it, but, you know, it's... Uh, also, the guy has giant long thumb, thumbs. <laughs> I guess they put a. They put, don't you Tamak me? The river Tamak, he says, oh snap. Uh, they had a great cut to Troy's reaction around there. And then when they when they did that, they secretly transported uh, Picard and, uh, and the other guy. I'm like, why don't they do that all the time, those secret transporter moves? They've seen it in a couple other episodes. Uh, they end up in a very Earth-like planet with wildflowers. It looks great in HD, uh, but it's not. Uh, it's 4.3, at least the one I was watching. I was watching Amazon 4.3. And we're back in the ship, you know, so to, 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 to Dathan and Picard are on the planet. And Riker's like, uh, Data, I want some analysis on this. And he goes, well, everything's looking good. Then they say, uh, get, they try to get a hold of the other ship, and they say, the other ship says, you know, no way, bro. We're not, his eyes are closed. Janazgai Court, the Court of Silence. And Riker says, well, what do you think, Data? He goes, well, we got to study this. He goes, well, get to work. You and Troy figure this out. And Riker says, I got to figure out some other things. And then you got the fire. Dathan has a fire where Picard doesn't at the planet. And Datha says, uh, Shaka, when the walls fell. And Picard says, Shaka, indeed, what are you going to do? What, why are we here? He goes, I'm cold, too. And Datha says, Darmak of Khan, and then Kanza. And Picard says, Picard of the Enterprise, Starship Enterprise, planet Earth. And then I'll cover this in the next, re you know, after this. But, you know, Datha gets ready for bed. And then he gives Picard some fire to stay warm. Uh, so then you think, okay, this Dathan's an all right character. We, you know, he did all these things to get ready for bed. What else do I have in my notes here? Oh, 
I'd like this because says analysis. What in the hell is going on? And that made me raise a question that we'll probably not look up tonight, but of like, Jesus, is this, do they have a Judeo-Christian influence? Like, do they believe in hell? I mean, I guess so. But like, once you've seen all those other planets, I just wonder. Uh, but then on, Picard's a little too suspicious, I thought. Uh, oh, the guy has a great vest on. It's got like... Uh, Multicolor knitting and different, very, very beautiful vest. Knitted in against great ship versus other ship talk, Zinra. I don't know what that means. And then Riker's walking around. I don't, I don't know what any of that means. I think that was, oh, that was when they were talking to the other ship, and he says, Shinra, Zinra, and Riker's just pacing like the bridge. Uh, then Parkard's using like a spinning, like he's trying to light it when he tries to do the campfire. It doesn't work. Uh, I guess I'm skipping around, but uh, I'm like, D he he didn't watch any Survivor. Oh, this was another because the guy says a lot of times they say Shaka when the walls fell, and I was like, does that mean? And so it goes, like when the walls fell, because he's like, you can't light a fire, Shaka when the walls fell. And I'm like, oh, and so it goes. When the walls fell, Shaka, when the walls fell, and so it goes. And then that's when the guy takes off his things and does his little prayer-like ceremony to protect his bed space. Then he pulls a Prometheus. He says, Temba, here's some fire for you, Picard. His arms wide because he's holding—and Picard says, his arms wide. And he goes, yeah, because his arms are wide, Jean-Luc. That's why— I put, I mean, I loved, but don't take this as a criticism. I did put no duh. And then he says, thank you. And the guy got it. So I'm like, well, thank you. It's universal. Uh, then there's an act break. Then the shuttle goes in. It makes a big turn, uh, like it just when it comes on screen. And then we're on the bridge. Uh, Data's, you know, trying to come up with a plan. Uh, and like, or he's selling the plan. Okay, this is what's going to happen. And all's going well, but then the shuttle, you know, the other group's like, no, no, that shuttle's not going anywhere. And Rice, Riker's very impressed. Uh, and then Jordy and the other officers are trying to make plans again and debating, like, the moves they could make and the consequences. Riker uses the word hell again. Who in the hell are these people? Uh, then we're down on the planet. Picard wakes up, looks around for his buddy. He investigates. He looks at his pins, and he sees this notebook. First, I thought it was an iPad, but it was a notebook. It's a captain's log. We don't see it, though. Or actually, we do later. I think they do show a drawing from it. And then Data and the crew, Data's watching the other crew with Troy. Troy's changed. She's in red. She was in gray before. Uh, Data drops it. He goes, so these are proper nouns. There's also a sculpture on the wall. I was like, is that Earth? Uh, I couldn't count the planets because I guess I don't know why I didn't freeze it. And then, oh, then we see the log. Very good handwriting this Darmachian has, this Tamarian. Picard's in gray. I also was like, okay, Picard had this jacket on. Maybe we'll cover that. Knocks, he goes, he knocks the, the pad out of it. He goes, Temba, man, we got trouble. Then that's when I noticed the multicolored speckles on his vest, not just the, the knitting. It was Temba, your arms wide. And Picard says, well, I could go with that. 
Uh, then Worf and Jordy are trying to figure out this variable induction field. Then we see Ashley Judd, of all people, who I just saw in another episode where but um, I didn't even realize she was in this one, but I had watched the other one. And she says 53 at the very least. I didn't know. Jordy wants to shunt something. And he says, well, she says, that's a chance. Riker says, Jordy's like, I've got, you know, we're shunting down here. And he says, that's a chance we got to take. That's And then we realize that the guy, the, the reason they're on the planet is to deal with this uh, tomorrow, like the Tamari and Picard are supposed to deal with this Triceratops from, uh, why do I keep forgetting that show? Um, Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. Uh, so then they get to they deal with this, this uh, Triceratops. So he tries to communicate with the... Uh, uh, Picard, he says, you know, sails unfurled, and Picard says, and he says, Shaka, when the walls fell. And then uh, Picard says, Shaka, you said that before, is that it a failure, an inability to do something? And uh, he then says, Darmok and Jalad, and Picard says, Tanagra, I know, I know, but I don't get it. And then they cut back to the ship, you know, because they're trying, at the ship, they're trying to get Picard out. And then uh, Dathan says, Lashmir, his army at Lashmir or something. This is when Picard's like a little bit hammy. He's like, Lashmir? Like, was this like a Lashmir? A similar situation to the one we're facing here? And he says, it was Ani, his fists, army fists open. And Picard says, oh, strategy, fist open. With open fist. And he senses his army with fist closed. He goes, fist closed. He goes, okay, so we got to lure this closed. And he goes, oh, that's how you communicate, by citing example, by metaphor. Unaz, and then Picard says, you want me to move away from you? And then Dathan says, his eyes uncovered. And he goes, you're like, oh, you get it. Uh, but then they start dealing with the triceratops, and right when things get uh, intense... Uh, you know, Mighty Morphin Power Ranger style. Picard gets uh, like uh, half transported off the ship. So then his buddy's there by himself to deal with uh, the Triceratops. And that's why they later they have to lie down by the fireside in the upcoming scenes that I talked about first. So that's a little bit. And then we're just going to cover two facts, which I guess I could cover right here. I'll just open Evernote while I'm talking. Live podcast production. And it's hanging. Uh, so, but I, it, I was like, I guess this is maybe early in the series to look this up, but I was like, man, what's up with the colors of the uh, Star Trek Next Generation uniforms? What do those mean? And so, of course, I went to Wikipedia. Where else would I go? According to Wikipedia, the rank and insignia, the royal rank system of the Star Wars universe resembles that of the U.S. Navy and the British Royal Navy. In contrast, other science fiction shows that might use an army system. Uh, and later, uh, that's about movies. Uh, the original series are bins by. In later television series, ranks are indicated by the number of pips on or bars on univer- individuals' uniform collars. Uh, insignias are worn on the left breast by all personnel. And uh, the different shape based on the shipper base to which the person has been assigned uh, as seen in uh, different series. 
symbol within the insignia, insignia can indicate the wearer's branch. A star with an elongated top point indicate. I didn't know this. Indicates command, a circle, crossed by an oval, science and medical, an angular, angular spiral, operations and engineering. And there's been other slight variations. Let's see. Star Trek, the next generation. Uh, Starfleet officers and crew members of the next generation wear a jumpsuit suit with a Starfleet communicator badge or a comm badge, as it's sometimes called, on the left chest. And the rank insignia on the right side of the collar. The uniform sleeves and abdominal area are colored to indicate the individual's branch. So this is where I was questioned. Red indicating command and helm. Uh, gold for engineering and security. In operations, blue for science and medical. Uh, but there was people in gray, so it doesn't really... The division colors for command and operations switched from those used in Enterprise and TOS. In early episodes, some crew members can be seen wearing a tunic version of the uniform with bare legs and boots. Uh, uh, sometimes Beverly Crusher wears a blue lab coat. Uh, sometimes the blue would be teal. In some episodes, uh, uh, this is what we're going to talk about. Uh, Jean-Luc Picard would wear a different uniform that consisted of a gray shirt with ribbed black shoulders and a bomber jacket with red. That was red kind of velour. With, and this is the first episode he wore it. And they said, what the heck's with that jacket? It looks sweet. It was a red jacket with black ribbed shoulders without buttons, like an open jacket. Uh, and I looked up, there was a lot of debate about this, but they basically said, Picard said, you know, I think the captain should have something sweet to wear from time to time. And it's like, well, the captain can, and they, I think the most, like most of the writing about it said, well, this is like kind of the captain's casual uniform. Unlike F at, you know, F Friday, you know, something Fridays or whatever, he's Picard's like, you know, whatever. Uh, uniforms could have pouches for stuff, uh, gear pouches. In the early seasons, uh, the suits were made of spandex, but they were and they were small, so they would stretch and look smooth. But the cast didn't like that, and no pockets, uh, so they were placed replaced with wool uniforms uh, from the third season onward, and two-piece uh, shirt and pant designs. That didn't have colored piping on the shoulders and the pant legs. And the collars of the shirts have a colored edge of width similar to the original diamond-shaped shoulder piping. Uh, spandex uniforms continue to make appearances by extras. And they were later altered to lack the piping uh, so they would match and include a raised collar as a cost-cutting measure. Uh, admirals would wear different uniforms, uh, and by the, uh, sixth season, they had a final design featuring an untucked jacket with gold piping, a centered enclosure, and pips encased in a gold square on the sides of the collar. Uh, the uh, next generation dress uniform, which continued to be used in Deep Space Nine and Voyager, is a colored wraparound robe-like coat of a solid division color, save for black shoulders. The edges of the robe-like coats are piped in silver for field officers and gold for flag officers. Uh, other uniform designs appeared briefly from other ones. 
the costume designer from the original series returned to design the initial Next Generation uniforms, and then Robert Blackman took over in Season 3 uh, designing the uniforms. Uh, during all the shows set in the 24th century, a consi- consistent insignia scheme is used uh, for the officers. Gold pips uh, worn on the right collars, like we said. After the first season of Next Generation, a consistent scheme, scheme is also used for the Admiral insignias that we kind of covered. Uh, Starfleet on the left breast, also the communication badge. Uh, cadet ranks are rarely ever seen, except when Wesley comes, uh, you know, back from school, back from the, uh, what was that place called? Uh, Starfleet Academy. So that's just like, we'll, we'll do that. Maybe we'll find more time. Uh, we're going to do another run through here, but, you know, maybe we'll, as we go on and we get through this pilot of doing a few of these, we'll see how much we like, uh, we can balance out learning stuff. But it was just a little bit we could learn about the uniforms. Uh, all right, let's run through the episode one more time, which I did first, so it'll be disorienting maybe. You know, it was my first run through, so I figured I'd use it second. Uh, you know, always improving. All right, thanks, everybody. All right, so I'm going to run through the episode here. It starts off 45, I think start date 4504712. Which is it's uh, that that was a phone number that in my childhood had four seven two in it. Uh, first thing I noticed because I already had watched it, like this wasn't the first uh, Next Generation episode I watched, but it, it was Picard's jacket. It, it like was layered. It had velour, some leather. It was a new jacket, and this was uh, so I don't know if he had it on season five, episode one, or what the story is behind it. I'll look into it. Had leather shoulders. They're talking about the children of Tama. They use words like incomprehensible, are the truly. Um, Picard goes to Troy and then to Data. I'm in the right spot here. Uh, you want to talk about en- enigna- enigmatic. My notes are in enigmatic. Enigma. I can say enigma. Enigmatic, enigmatic, enigma, enigmatic. I don't know why I have trouble with that. Is that a normal thing or is that just me? <laughs> don't answer that. Uh, Picard goes to Troy, then to Data. At some point, tr- tr- Troy is like uh, behind Picard. She has a good look. Uh, they co- they talk to these uh, children of Tama on the mic, and they're cracking the dude and his sidekick up. Uh, Paul Winfield, uh, the great actor, uh, stars in this. And that's when I first saw it. Laughter is universal, uh, but they like they didn't pick up on it. And they say, Darmok, when the walls fell, sails unfurled. Uh, then we see Picard at some point. So these are my first, this is my first year, so please be forgiving of me. Because I didn't even know. I said, geez, how am I going to take notes on Star Trek? Uh, so then I missed some stuff, I, but they'll come up on my next run through. Then Picard's on the planet with the dude. Uh, two, oh, they both had, he had two utensils, the dude. Dharma, I don't know his name is, Darmok, we, we could call the character. And then they had ad, like ad break one, or act break one, and then the show opens. 
So in the first, like, uh, whatever this is called, uh, first, I don't think this is the first act. I don't, I'm not, I don't, you know, I don't know that much about structuring these TV shows. Uh, but we did find out they were going to see the children of Tama. They met with them, and then they said, hey, they were having trouble communicating. And then the next thing they know, Picard and the leader of the other group were transported to a planet. Uh, and then Picard, for Picard, he, all of a sudden, the next thing he knows, he's transported to a planet with this dude who's got two uh, sporks on him. Uh, then it opens Darmok. They're on a ship. They're on. Uh, this is on the uh, Enterprise. Riker's there with Data and Troy, and they're trying to get a plan, an idea. Then Worf says, uh, "Contest, perhaps." They're having like a staff meeting, saying, "She's okay. Why do you think? What? Do, what should we do?" Riker's commanding officer says, "Why did they bring? What? What are they doing with our with our commander?" And what should we do? So Worf thinks it's like a battle of champions, and they're trying to get to the bottom of it. Then back on the planet, uh, the guy says, uh, he says, Darmok and Jalad at Tanagra. And so a lot of this is, what I really liked about this is this, it's about this difficulty to communicate. Uh, then he throws the utensils to Picard. Picard says, I don't want your spork. Uh, then we get back to the Enterprise, and they say, well, geez, everybody's in good health down there. Uh, Picard calls ship. Uh, so they call the other, uh, they call back to the, the children of Thomas' ship. And the second-in-command talks right into the camera. He, he, he gets his face, or they get their face right up in the camera. But they don't know what he's saying. He's just disagreeing because they don't have the language can't be interpreted. Oh, that's like a main thing about the show. This episode, this is my first time, so I got to give myself some some leeway here. But they they're not. I'm having trouble communicating about the episode. But so, the main hangup is there's no way to translate the language that the Darmanians are speaking, or the Tamanian, the children of Tama. Uh, but they do sp seem to speak in some sort of English. <laughs> Spoil like uh, it's just uh, like some sort of figurative language. I think is what we learn. Okay, so where were we? Darmok and the ship. Uh, Darmok and Jalada Tanagra. Picard's in a good. So then they say, "Hey, let's send down a shuttle." Uh, then we're back on the planet. The dude, like this, the Darmok has this great fire going. It's nighttime on the planet. And Picard pretends he's a character on, like, a Boy Scout or Survivor TV show. And he gets he, he gets his fire just about started, but then it goes out. But then he gives up. I said, what, what, which Captain Picard is this? Because I never met this one. And Darmok, a guy, just kind of laughs. He says, uh, Shaka, when the walls fell, and he cracks up. And you see they cannot communicate in... Picard's getting cold. Then this guy does this very ritual thing, like uh, where he takes his pins off of his, uh, like his uniform, and he touches his forehead, kind of in a prayer, and he kind of creates a protective circle. Then he goes to sleep with his spork. But Picard says, "Well, let me try. Let me try one of the things I learned at the academy: passive-aggressive pacing." So he starts pacing around, and the dude's like, "Yo, I'm trying to sleep over here, Picard." 
but he couldn't communicate. So he couldn't say that, like, Shaka, when the walls, when my eyes fell because I'm trying to sleep. So Picard's pacing around, so the guy says, well, you know, WTF. So he says, hey, why don't you just take some of my fire, you know, use it to light yours. He says, Temba, uh, Temba arms wide. And, I mean, I did watch, this was like my, this was my second time watching it, and then I watched it a third time. I said, well, that's pretty, Temba arms wide, that's pretty non-threatening. Uh, but Picard, he's like, like kind of command, and I love Picard, so don't take this as any criticisms. Just this episode, he's like kind of overreaching. And the dude's like, Temba arms wide, man, it's simple, just take the friggin' fire. And uh, he, oh, uh, then Picard says thank you, and the guy cracks up. So then Picard starts his fire, and then we have another ad break. Then we're back in the uh, 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 Enterprise, and uh, Picard's like, this is a first officer's log, supplemental. And Worf's on a pan panel thing, uh, like in the shuttle. E they're in the E region of the atmosphere, headed towards the D region. And making no, they're, they're like, oh, they're making no attempt to stop them, the other ship. Then they are, so they say evasive maneuvers Delta. And they the shuttle gets damaged just enough that it has to turn back, uh, but not enough to harm anyone. That's what Riker says. And then they close up on Riker. He says, nice shooting. Uh, then there's another staff meeting. And Riker, Riker, he uses some strong, he says, who the hell are these people? And then Jordy comes up with some great idea, and he says, do it. And then uh, it's the next day, it's morning, Picard wakes uh, it wakes up, his fire's out, and his friend's gone. There's a lot of wildflowers It looked like, uh, you know, they could have been somewhere similar to Southern California. And he walks over, since he walks over the fire circle from the other guy, he checks out the other guy's pins that he had kind of created this protective, safe place. And at first I thought the guy had like an iPad, but ended up was just like a, like a notebook. It was his captain's log. And what does this say? Oh, then we go back to the ship data. I thought that said dads. Data studying the communication with uh, Counselor Troy. And uh, there's like freezing the video. It was it was cool. I mean, this was like modern day, you know, in the future. Like they're they say, okay, rewind that video computer. And they're trying to pick out words, and then they recognize a couple uh, proper nouns, and they have the computer. They say, computer, search for the meaning of that word. And they hope have hope for a second, but then there's too many uh, like definitions. Like one was a frozen dessert. I don't know if that was Darmok. Uh, and then Counselor Troy seemed uh, very frustrated, but then Data's not giving up. Then they say Darmok at Tanagra, and they realize it's got some mythical meaning to it. And then we're back. Uh, then the ad break, another ad break. And then Picard's head, uh, looking at the captain log, he gets busted by the dude. And Picard thinks the guy's mad at him, but really he's like, dude, there's a snarl snarl coming. I know that's when the act break it comes. And then we're back on the planet, and Picard's like behind Temba, his arms wide. He goes, "Okay, I'll go along with that." They say, "Let's get these sporks." This is like a, like this is like a snarling, like ice cream thing. So we got to spork like some of the ice cream out of it and eat it. Uh, then we see war. Then war back in the ship. Warf's like, "Oh, there's trouble down there. There's something else." 
So then Riker says, Riker to the forge, how much time we got till you fix this? And he says, I don't know, two, three hours maybe. He goes, I don't care, get it done now. And he says, okay, two minutes, I'll get it done. Not sure if it'll work. So then they go back to the deck. Then they go to O'Brien and, and then the planet. And then it's like that we see this cloaked thing. It's a shackle in the walls. Fell. The, it ends up the ice cream, ice cream creatures from, uh, what's that show called? Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. It's a character, some ice cream character from Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. And then they say, LaForge says, I'm almost there. He says, shunt, shunt the overload. Then O'Brien says, Link confirmed. Then the planet, they get Picard. And they're trying so hard to get Picard, but Picard's trying to help his buddy with his Power Rangers because they're not Power Rangers. I mean, Picard's pretty close. So is this other guy. Oh, no, wait. They haven't tried to get Picard yet. Jump the gun. Because uh, then they, they're communicating. He says, His army with fist open. Fist closed. Paul Winfield's character's trying to communicate with Picard. And then Picard realizes, he goes, oh, you communicate by metaphor. And Picard's so happy. And then the dude's happy. And he says, Sukkot, his eyes uncovered or something. I, I did like it, though. His eyes uncovered, that makes total sense. He goes, oh, you get it. Uh, this is when the Power Ranger shows up, or the Power Ranger cre ice cream creature. And then Picard gets transported away. He says, no, no, no. But then they can't keep him, and not enough of him gets down. Uh, so then we're back in the ship. Uh, Kurlash, when it rises, I don't know what that meant. And then Picard's back. He runs to sh the dude. He goes, Shaka, when the walls fell. And then we had the fourth break of Officer's Log. Uh, something about... A plum nomen, palace gone. Uplin nomen, palace gone. First officer's log. No, no, when we do the dialogue. But then they have a staff meeting. Dr. Crusher gives some options. Uh, more dra dragons of atmosphere. Uh, they're discussing the atmosphere. Then they say something about the polarity coil drive. And they say, okay, get, it's going to take a few hours. And then uh, Rick Riker says, make it so. And then Data and Troy are onto it. They say, geez, it, looks, it seems like they communicate by narrative imagery. The problem is that we can understand the grammar but not the vocabulary. So we're kind of nowhere and in this great line. Without the details, there is no understanding. And it's nighttime again. There's a fire. I don't know who started it, but the guy's on the ground. Picard's there, protecting, like watching over him. And they really have a great one-on-one -on -one scene. He goes, you know, just a really nice scene. Uh, he says, hey, tell me more about because the guy's not feeling so good. He ate too much ice cream. So Picard says, tell me more about Darmok and Jalad. And then Picard kind of breaks down. He says, Darmok and the ocean. He goes, okay, it's a metaphor. And he slowly figures it all out. It's kind of obvious. I mean, I'm saying that like I am actually a jerk, I guess, for saying that. But, uh, like, uh, again, I have the advantage of watching a TV show and not being in there. Uh, but then there's this bonus. You know, it goes deeper. Then Picard has this extra realization. He goes, you were hoping this would happen. You knew 
A danger shared brings two people together. And then Picard tells a bedtime story. So that's why I chose this episode is like, cause it was about communication. And then Picard tells a bedtime story from Gilgamesh. Uh, something, I, I don't know, something about living on a farm. And the guy, Paul Winfield, Darmot cracks up. He goes, Gilgamesh. It's hilarious. He finds him. And then there was all this foreshadowing, and then there's an act break. And uh, we come back from the break, and uh, it's time to break the stalemate. Uh, oh, they call them the Tamarians, uh, so that's what you call them. The Tamarian may have gone to the farm, they say. And then the Power Ranger guy shows up that goes after Picard, uh, but then they, uh, they get him out, so then the battle doesn't go well. Oh, with the other ship, but then Picard rolls up on the bridge, and then he just totally aces the communication by metaphor. Uh, and he goes, and you, what do you think, boss? This is how the episode ends. He goes, what do you think, these new friends? He goes, well, at least there's no new enemies. And then there's an epilogue with Picard reading, and... Uh, uh, Riker comes in with a damage report. He goes, what are you reading, some Greek, sir? He goes, yeah, the Homeric hymns, uh, one of the root metaphors. Commander connection, that commandment. Something, that commandment, that commitment meant more than his own life. He goes, uh, thank you, no. Yeah, I'm gonna. I'll read through these another set of notes. But then Picard goes to the window and he kind of signs goodbye uh, to his friend, the Tamarian, and and that was our first uh, ever run through of a uh, uh, next gen episode. Thanks. I want to do some thank yous over on Twitter. Rose, uh, freaking geeky, squeaky. Ro- oh, two roses, two ferrets, Rose and Rose R. Uh, Bear Trap Fitness, as I mentioned in the podcast. Uh, Christopher B, 10F10. Samella, all the way to the other side of the world. What's up? Uh, uh, Samantha Bator Chica. Edward P, uh, Anya W to the S, thanks and good night. Jenny K, thank you and good night. The Tang Center at Cal. Thanks, Cal. Uh, thanks and good night. Uh, Melinda S. Uh, Yaren U. Thanks and good night. Lou Vina. Uh, thank you and good night. Uh, Babs. Be like Babs. Atomic April. Thank you. Uh, Camille M. Thank you and good night. Becky Texas Bick. Thank you and good night. Uh, Miss A.Y., Miss I. Beauty, thank you for featuring us on your YouTube channel and for listening to the podcast. Uh, thank you. Uh, Joe D., thanks. Uh, Sam S., the Yeti, thank you. Uh, Maggie G., one of our uh, podcast poets. Uh, J.S. Uh, Snodge. Uh, Miss Fresh Fish, thank you. Alexandra S to the Z, thank you and good night. Eric S, thanks and good night. Uh, we got this. Hal, thanks and good night. Child Free Bliss, thank you and good night. Thanks everybody for the shout outs to Dan Savage, too. Uh, Carrie at Echo Textual, thanks. Kate S, thank you. 
Owen uh, to the yes, to the Joanne's friend. Thanks and good night. Paint the air. Anita C., welcome back. Thanks and good night. Aurora, thanks for singing along. Gabrielle D., to the G., to the Z., thanks and good night. Allison F., thank you. When you feed, thanks and good night. Tyler, Ty, Fi, and Lauren, what's up? Thanks and good night. Teresa A., thank you and good night. Uh, Jelly Sack, thanks and good night. Christy. Kirsty, excuse me, holy mackerel, thank you and good night. Everyone over at Trey Bell Spa and in, in, in NYC, thank you and good night. SRP, thanks and good night. Bo L, everybody in LA, thank you and good night. Susan M, thanks and good night. Mary Beth, thanks and good night. Uh, Misconduct, thank you. Sharon Z, thank you. Mr. Crump and everybody at Radio uh, NZ, thanks at the National. Thank you. Uh, Blast to the H, to the B, to the loved. Thank you and good night. Mary B, to the A, to the U, thanks and good night. Uh, Juicy Jacob, thank you and good night. Lynette, thank you and good night. Scott to the F, thank you and good night. Uh, Dara. Thank you and good night. Rachel B., thank you and good night. Debbie M., happy anniversary. Thank you and good night. Melly, a.k.a. Certified Expert, thank you. Samantha, thank you. Illusionoid and Nocturne, thank you. T with double E's, thanks and good night. Sally, thank you. Lori S., thanks. Uh, Sammy Sweets, thank you. Anna Sell to the S, thank you. Lori R with an I, thank you. Cinnamon D, thank you. Amy B, thank you. Kissing Trouts, that's awesome too. Facing up to PTSD, thank you. Bruna, thank you. Sal, or Buddy Sal to the Alley to the Ann, thank you. And uh, thanks everybody, thanks and good night.